You're listening to the Nate Lull Podcast. Download each new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now, here's Nate. Hey, my friends, welcome back. Today is episode 225 here on the Nate Lull Podcast. I always appreciate you checking back in. I just had a very loyal listener tell me the other day they've finished all 224 episodes previous to this. So they are now waiting for the next one to come out. So I got to keep these these episodes coming out uh, as quickly as I can. So I appreciate everybody listening in, that's for sure. My guest today on 225 is longtime Roxbury softball coach Jane Ware. She's been at Roxbury for over 40 years. And get this, career record of 499 and 136. And don't worry, she's still coaching, so hopefully next year she'll get win number 500. But even with the 499, that puts her in the top 15 all-time according to the New York State records for softball wins in the state. I mean, truly remarkable. Great to sit down to talk with her about longevity and staying at one school for that long and why she decided to do that and and what the small-town life means to her. It was really impressive. And she's had some recent health issues. We talked about that, how precious life is, and what spending time with with student-athletes is like for her. So great to have Jane in and, and hear about the success that this Roxbury program has had. I mean, when you think about 499 wins in Section 4, a section that has Afton, Deposit, Deposit Hancock, I mean, several other teams have had dynasty-type runs over the years. It's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, section in New York State for softball. So 499 wins, kudos to her. Coach, you're the best. So I think everybody should enjoy this one today. The Nate Law Podcast is brought to you by a variety of special sponsors. We certainly appreciate their support. They include Covered Bridge Farm Market in Unadilla, JM Electrical Contracting of Bainbridge, Advantage Maytag Home Appliance Center in Oneonta, the Delaware National Bank of Delhi, Certified Financial Planner Ed Curley. You can find him in Oneonta, Sports Field Specialties, also of Delhi, Preferred Mutual Insurance Company of New Berlin. We have Springbrook. NYCM Insurance in Edmiston. We have Stewart Shops, Clark Sports Center in Cooperstown, and Certified Auto Outlet in Oneonta. Episode 225 today with longtime Roxbury softball coach Jane Ware, been there since 1982. Truly remarkable. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode on the Nate Law Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Today is episode 225 here on the Nate Law Podcast, and uh, our summer ones are starting to wrap up. We'll be back in fall sports before you know it, but stay tuned. We'll have a lot more for sure. So going to take a trip down the softball road today on 225. Longtime Roxbury softball head coach Jane Ware is with us. Coach, thanks for making the trip over here. I appreciate it. Thanks. It's a wonderful day. It really is. I, I got, you got to cherish these summer days, right? Yes, yes. It, um, before we know it, I'll be freezing on the sidelines of a soccer game and sectionals and dreaming of summer again. <laughs> but yes. So how long have you been at Roxbury? Over 40 years. My gosh. The, the state committee had reached out to me this summer, which kind of got the ball rolling on this whole idea, 
And they said, do you think that Jane knows she's on 499 wins? So I reached out to you and you said that you did know, um, but you're going to, you're going to keep going. Got to get 500 and, and keep on rolling. How does that make you feel? It's, it's, it's a cool accomplishment. I mean, you really don't, you really don't feel the numbers going. You just, you're there, you're there for the kids. You're there because you love Roxbury, not because you have 500 wins. Right. Is that something that, you know, you've celebrated along the way, 300, 400, or do you think it's kind of skated under the radar? 400, they did an article in one of the papers, one of the local papers, I forget right about now. The people that keep track are like the alum, my alumni, um, um, Tamara Snyder, she pitched for me for my, I'm trying to remember which one, <laughs> but like, 200. And then I beat her 300. Is, I beat her for the 300th win. And she knew all this. She she was keeping the numbers. So so a lot of people keep more numbers than I do. It's a, a trait I've found with a lot of really successful coaches. I've, you know, I've sat in here with Cindy Bosselman from Afton and, and Bob Van from SK and, and all these guys. And it seems to be that they are in it for the kids and not for the numbers, which I, I absolutely love, but it's uh, it's amazing. None of you guys seem to keep track of any of the numbers, so it's uh, it's a fun thing. But, I mean, will 500 be special for you when the time does come? Yeah, 500 would be cool. I mean, how many people in the state are even that close? I mean— I don't even know. Me either. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have to ask Perry. Uh, Perry Novak from the state was the, the guy who reached out to me, and he said, do you think— do you think Jane knows? And I've heard she might retire. I don't know where he was getting that from, but I said, well, I hope she knows and I hope she doesn't retire on 499. <laughs> so how much longer do you think you want to keep coaching? Well, it's all done by uh, contract. Uh, teachers have first teachers have first uh, dibs on on the softball contract. When I let when I retired from teaching at Roxbury, it was it was that, you know, that crazy COVID they Teachers make too much. I make too much money at forty years' experience and <laughs> crazy things like that. So they're they're like, well, we're too top heavy. And and I said, well, I'll retire from teaching if if you give me coaching. And they said, uh, we can't do that. We can't do that. And I said, well, then I'm not going to retire. And then two hours later, all of a sudden, they said, well, we'll give you an extension. Oh. And then they gave me a, they gave me a two-year extension, and then Mr. Bennett was the superintendent when I was successful two years ago, right. and he said, "I'll give you a three-year extension if you stay." And I said, oh, three years is good, but I gotta, it's got to be in my heart. If I'm not up to it, I'm not going to put myself out there." Right. That's one thing I've asked a lot of coaches that have been in your shoes. Like, how do you know when the right time is? I mean, yes, a lot of it is the contract, but, I mean, is it just something you think you'll know when the day comes? I guess, yes. Um, th this, pa this past year, with I had my knee replaced just before the season, and I had a huge pulmonary embolism and almost lost my life. And uh, if it wasn't for... Peter and Brenda and people people at school and the parents and my wife I I mean I needed rides I needed 
I needed a chair. I, cu- I couldn't stand more than 10 minutes a lot of times. And if it wasn't for all those people supporting me, there is no way I could have even coached this past season. Coach, I wonder if you'd be open to talking about the pulmonary embolism. We've had, I think, two guests on now that had something very similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a scary thing because, you know, one of them was a young athlete from South Court, right, who was playing college basketball at Skill, and it kind of popped up during a game. Um, but I wondered how, how yours came about to be, and it's just something that seems, boy, it just um, you just don't know how to handle it, I guess, when it first comes about. Well, I had my knee replaced because, you know, I injured it years ago to where I had so much arthritis in it. It was a pain, and they're like, oh, you'll feel so much better. You'll feel so much better. <laughs> and then I said, so I had it replaced. And then three weeks later, I'm walking around practices and walking around the house and having chest pain, and I can't breathe. And I called the doctor, and the doctor said, go to the emergency room. And, of course, I was stupid and went to softball practice. <laughs> and... uh then people at softball practice said I was stupid and get to the emergency room. And the emergency room looked at my chest and I, and it was, the embolism was so big that they air flighted me to Albany. And the next day they took out 30 plus clots and, and, you know, I'm not, and my, my wife's a nurse. So she, she was freaking, she was freaking out because she knew, she knew how dangerous it was. Right. And, you know, I'm just, a softball coach. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how bad it really was, but I mean these people are air flighting me and everything else and then they removed they stopped counting at 30. They have this special machine at Albany Med that pulls the clots out of your lungs, but they stopped counting at 30 and then I had clots in my legs behind my knee and everything else. So I was put on a blood thinner and then 2 weeks later I got covid pneumonia. Oh my gosh. And they assume that that that's what was throwing the clots in my leg two weeks later. So it was it was an interesting spring to coach. And somehow you still managed to be there for your girls throughout all of that. I mean, was that difficult? Were you a lot of a lot of pain when you came back? I was ta- I was I was exhausted a lot of the time, and but you can't tell them that. Right. You just keep plugging and plugging and plugging and hope that they think that they think that you're you're fine and we're just going for them. I mean, as long as they think you're fine and you're working right. hard. I mean, Peter and Brenda did so much between ri- extra rides, and Peter did all the fun going. All all I could do is sit in a chair and stand in a coach's box, basically with a helmet on. It's. It's remarkable. I mean, when you were at the hospital, and maybe your wife mentioned this too, like if one of those clots breaks free, I'm dead. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you think about that, or is it one of those things where I'm a softball coach? I'd rather not think about that stuff. That's how I would be. I just yeah, would not want to think about I, it. I didn't want to think about it, but it, but it, it, it changed a lot. A lot of things. I mean, you're you're starting to think of you know god and dying and your family and and what what if i passed i mean did i have enough things in order for everybody to be safe right wow that's well i'm certainly glad you're still here coach i mean that's that's scary stuff and a lot of it with the other athletes that we've had in here they said you know i almost similar to you like ah oh, i'll be fine let me let me take a nap let me sleep it off i i'm just tired today and their doctors had all said to them, if you didn't come in right now, you're probably not here. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad you went. Do you, so were you awake for the helicopter ride? Yes, it was awesome. How was that? Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, what the bill? I think the bill was the insurance covered it, but the bill was like seventy five thousand dollars oh. to ride from Delhi to to <laughs> Albany. Anyone else we've had in here that had to take a helicopter ride? We've had some athletes that had accidents and stuff. Uh, they didn't remember it. So I didn't know if you were awake for that. That had to be fun, actually, for the ride. Oh, they put you. They put me right up front so I could see the whole the whole ride to Albany. It was cool. I was right in the front seat, right next to the pilot. Oh my gosh! How long did it take? You think twenty three minutes? No way. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. From Delhi to Albany. Yep. That I can't. You must have been flying cruising. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> So I, I wanted to go back. How did you originally get into coaching and, and find your way to Roxbury? I don't know much about your backstory and was interested to hear more about, you know, your young teaching career. Well, I grew up in a small town, small town Spencer, and I went to Spencer Vinet in high school. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I started right at the Title IX. Girls started getting sports and stuff like that. So we started playing in gym suits and— um, my father was a professor at Ithaca College and coached. So I got a free ride to Ithaca College. And so I went to Ithaca and I didn't even, I didn't start in phys ed because I was scared to death. Those were big shoes to fill. My father's a successful yeah. coach. He has thousands of athletes that <laughs> respect him and and uh and I didn't want to start there. So I started in biology pre veterinary science and and I, I didn't like it. I didn't like, I didn't, I volunteered at a, um, um, veterinary, veterinary place. And, uh, they put to sleep more animals than I thought they helped. And it just, it just weighed on me day right. after day after day because I just, it, it just didn't fit. And then I transferred to math and, and I'm like, this doesn't fit either. And I sat there and I said, I got two more years. Let's switch back to phys ed. And at the time, I was I was playing um, I was playing varsity softball or not not softball, varsity volleyball, and um, varsity basketball. And I was loving volleyball. I was loving volleyball. And and I'm like, this just fits. This just fits. So I transferred into phys ed, even though you know, big shoes big to fill shoes. and everything else. And and I went with that. And then they put me in Watkins Glen High School, and I did. I had to be in the pool, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this. I don't want to teach where there's a pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went on, and I applied for jobs, and and uh, you know, I wanted. I, my first dream was to teach at the college level, and then, and then. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get a job my first year out of school because I grew up in Ithaca and Ithaca and Cortland. There's no jobs. There's no jobs. Phys Ed people sit on their jobs for forty years. Right. Right. So um, I was walking down the hall and to get at the job office at Ithaca, and uh, the head of the master's department said, "Follow me." He says somebody just dropped out and left our professors that need an assistant hmm. free and we have a free master sitting there um, sitting there for you and he says if you don't have a job you might as well get your master's done yeah 
So I went, I went back to Ithaca for my master's. They paid me a little bit of money, and I was coach, started coaching at Spencer Van Etten in my afternoons off at my old high school. And I coached volleyball and JV softball. And I loved it. I loved it. And I'm like, well, I really need a job. I really need a job. I mean, I shared a bedroom with five girls. <laughs> I mean, even though my mother put a divider down the middle, yeah, it, it's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and uh, Roxbury had this little opening in the middle of nowhere, and I applied. And I also applied for a volleyball position up south of Rochester someplace. And I had, I was both in final interviews and uh, my mother comes up to me and she says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, fate tells me whoever calls me first wants me the most. Wow. And I went to Roxbury and fell in love and I just couldn't leave. <laughs> so going into that, I mean, did you even know where Roxbury was? I mean, um, one of my cousin, well, my mother is originally from Sargates. Okay. She grew up and lived in Sargates. So we went down Route 23 and Route 28 to visit my grandparents a lot. And my cousin, my cousin had a, um, come on, student teaching in Margaretville. Mm. So she knew where Margaretville was. She talked to me, everything else. I I had no, I knew her Grand Gorge, well, not right. Roxbury. <laughs> and... um. You know, I'm a young girl and my mother's scared to death and she rides with me to my first interview. So we drive down Roxbury and it, and it has the most amazing maple trees that were on both sides of the street. And it was just a gorgeous little town. So my mother lets me off in the parking lot and drives back to the diner that's no longer there on the corner in right. uh, Grand Gorge and has breakfast and talks to the locals, and I have my first interview. I mean, fate is exactly right, and here you are 40-plus years later. Mm -hmm. Do you think athletes of today realize, I, I don't want to say how good they have it, female athletes, compared to the Title IX era when, I mean, like you said, not a lot of opportunities, things started to get going, but how much has it changed in those 40 or 50 years? It's, it's, it's changed a lot because we were, I mean, the high school, you started with your gym suits, you had numbers on gym suits. Right. <laughs> and, and then the school had to purchase uniforms and then we got, we had to play at right after school. We couldn't get that, that six o'clock game slot where the parents could actually come and watch. Right. Right. And then we finally jumped to that six o'clock game slot. And then giving up Fridays was to the boys was really tough. Mm. And and you, you went through this whole thing. And then I played volleyball at Ithaca, and we were very successful. But we were still the AIAW, and they didn't pay for they didn't pay so you could go to the nationals. We qualified for the national tournament, but because we were second placed out of the Northeast. You didn't get to go. We didn't get to go because the school couldn't afford to send us. Where now you qualify, the NCAA yeah. foots the bill. I mean, now, again, 50 years later, they're paying for all their travel, their hotels, maybe even a flight, you know? Yeah. So it's it's amazing to me to think about how far it's come and still how far we have to go. But it's, uh, I just, I think about, I, I, I've heard these stories here on the show of, girls playing basketball and you can explain it better than me you, you couldn't go on certain parts of the court 
if I'm correct, and things like that. Like you had girls who would be just defense, and is that true, the way it used to be? Yeah, that's true. I played that in gym class. The first year that I played Title IX was we played the we played the full court. The full court. Okay. The full court. Wow. But, so in the other days it was you had like specific. Yeah, you positions. had to play. You had to have you had to have defense on one side, and then you pass to the offense on the other side. <laughs> I, it's just so hard for me to even picture. I mean, it's a such a different time. So, so you get to Roxbury, and what had, did you teach or did you coach anything else besides softball? Well, I, I started with basketball, but. It just it just wasn't in the cards for me. I went down to the modified because I I just love working with skill instead of the mm. the whole the yeah. whole thing. And then <laughs> softball was just they didn't have volleyball because it you know they phased it out because there just wasn't enough girls to put soccer basketball. I mean we just have barely enough for those. Right. But so now I mean you've seen the league go through. The beginning stages, kind of to the heyday, when I when I feel like things were really strong, and now we seem to be in this time where there's mergers and um, you know not enough teams to even barely have a league at times. So, I mean, seeing how much it's changed, where do you feel like we're going in in the future with this? Is mergers the way it has to be? I mean, you've kind of seen different phases of it throughout your career. Uh, what are, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think the school population is getting so low that mergers mergers are are just going to be because there's not going to be enough girls. I mean, we had a we've had senior classes of twelve and thirteen. Yeah. So how do you how do you field the team with that? Right. Correct. Correct. So do you feel like I, for me it seems like the Tri Valley and the Delaware League have resisted it the longest because of school identity and your community identity. Um, do you feel like we're just at that point where that has to go out the window? Otherwise we're not going to have sports and games. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, because, you know, these, these, the people that are in these villages have grown up in these villages forever. It, it's not, it's not like a big city like Oneana where, you know, thousands of people move in and out and in and out and in and out. These people have lived in Roxbury for forever. Their their parents, their grandparents, every everybody has is there. So being a Roxbury Rocket is a very, very important thing to them. Being a Gabal Wildcat's a very, very important thing to them. Um but what are we going to do with these kids when you only have three boys in seven, eight, nine? Or right. I mean, we've combined a few modified programs with Gilboa already. It, uh, yeah, I don't know what the answer is, and that you know, I've gone to a few of these meetings where they've talked about making some sort of a combined league. If we have all these combined teams, making a bigger league that would maybe combine the the Tri Valley and the Delaware and. On one hand, I hate to see it just because I, I'm a small school guy. I went to Gilbertsville, Mount Upton. I still live in Gilbertsville, so I totally understand the the small town aspect of it. But I also want kids to have opportunities to play. And uh, so I, I feel like we have to do the merger thing. And I'm starting to come around on it more. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just getting used to it. But do you think Gilboa is the, the obvious dance partner for Roxbury? I 
I don't. I mean, they're the closest. Uh, yeah. We've com- we've already talked to them and combined already. So I mean, their board talked to our board, possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's sad to see some of the old rivalries go away. I mean, in your coaching career, who would you have considered Roxbury's biggest rival to be? Well, in in the past, in the past twelve years, it's been Gilboa. Yeah, I mean, I love playing Gilboa. <laughs> but football before that, it was Margaretville, and Margaretville was very successful. And then when uh, Marilyn Ballard was coaching Stanford, it was Stanford. But uh, so it's it's been the, the schools that border us all the way around. Sure. So in those early days when you got to Roxbury, um, did you have someone who was a mentor to you? Someone that you went to? Uh, for advice or leaned on, or was it somebody from back home? I'm always curious for someone who's put the time in, who was the mentor to them that kind of gave them those life lessons? Um, My dad was a big influence. And then when I got to Roxbury, B. Hinckley was the music teacher. Mm. And she kind of took me under my wing, her wing and talked to me. And then, and then, you know, I, I went on with, uh, Going forward, um, when I first got to Roxbury, it's a funny story. Um, I, I was, you know, you're a softball coach, you come in, and um, Bob Prout was the baseball coach and the superintendent. Mm. And uh, and I have my team set and what I want to do for my first game and what I want to do for my first scrimmage. And he says, you're starting an eighth grader as a catcher? I think that's foolish. And I said, and I said, no, it's not foolish. That's who I want to start. And uh, I invited my high school. I invited Spencer Vanetten down to play two games mm. on a Friday afternoon and because my sister was playing for the team and <laughs> everything else. And I just coached there, so I had a connection. And and I brought them down. And Friday night, Friday, of course, your team and you are, are like – you're, you're still trying to fit in and you're new and, and what you're doing is you're new. You're new. We didn't do it this way last year right, and right. you're new. I'm, and, uh, and Friday night, Friday night, I sat there and I said, okay, you start the people you want to start in, in the positions you want to start them. And we got slaughtered. We got <laughs> slaughtered. And then I had this guardian angel and, and, the next day, the next day, I started who I wanted to start. And the kids played well and, and everything fit. And we won by like two runs. And, and it was like, it was like, you know, everything, everything fit right. Fit right. <laughs> and, and they finally started to believe in what I wanted to do and that I wasn't stupid. <laughs> so what year would this have been? 82, 82. 83. Well, actually, the spring of 83. So how long do you think it took, was it right from that moment on, you feel like you had the buy-in from the kids, or did it take a while? I've talked to a lot of coaches, you know, Bob Van and, and some of these other guys that are like, you know, it took a couple of years where we were really bad before kids really bought into what I wanted to do. I I was, I had some, Roxbury and Grand Gorge just merged. Okay. And so we had a little more on the number side. We had the athletes from Grand Gorge and the athletes from Roxbury. So it was it was it was a good year for me to come in and then and then when that second that second scrimmage when I got a 
lot of buy-in right then and there. And we went, we went on and won the Delaware championship the first year I was there or whatever it's called. We didn't have the crossovers back right. then. And from then on, I just had buy, there, there was a full buy-in. We, we won. And, uh, it was Roxbury was the Roxbury was the team to beat in everything. I mean, Dwayne was there. Right. And, right. And, you know, if if you sat there at the athletic banquet without a trophy on the table, <laughs> the party afterwards it was rubbed in every single time. You don't have a trophy, you know yeah. that 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 yeah. that. Come on, Dwayne has a trophy, and Ron has a trophy, and Fred has a trophy. <laughs> so there was pressure too. There was lots. There was lots of pressure. Was that hard as a young coach? Yes. Like, wow. Yes. Really hard. What was it like being around a guy like? Dwayne Ely, who, you know, I never got a chance to meet, but I read about him all the time and everything that all the success that he had and the various sports that he coached. And it sounds like he was kind of the, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was like he was kind of the king of Roxbury for a time, you know? Oh, he, he was the king of Roxbury. The, the gymnasium, gymnasium is the Dwayne S. Ely gymnasium. Right. So, I mean, was he somebody that you could go to 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 bounce ideas off of, or wasn't that the relationship wasn't like that, or you know what was it like having him around every day? He would he would bounce he would bounce ideas he would bounce ideas he was a very busy man though between soccer and basketball and his golf and he he was very and he did the refereeing yeah and, I don't know how he did all that I mean but. I mean, you'd shit, um, you'd stop and, uh, they'd have parties, they have, you know, they have parties after basketball wins and yeah. stuff like that. And you talk to Ron and Dwayne and Mac and all those, all the old timers and, and, and bounce. That had to be nice to have a sounding board like that. Yes. For sure. So we were looking here. So we think the crossovers, you and I were talking before we jumped on, crossovers started somewhere in the mid-90s. And we were tallying up. It roughly looks like maybe 13 crossover titles for you from 94 up until um, you won in 2022 over Gilboa. Lost this past year to, to Charlotte Valley. But what a stretch from 94 to 2000. You're there every year, and you only lose in 99 by one run to Margaretville. What was it about those mid-90s teams? I mean, you win five in a row from 94 to 98. What, just a, a great group coming through at that time? Yeah, you, you, um, small schools do that. You, you, get a cert, yeah. you, you get that class, and then, and then they help you for five years, and then, and then you get that next class, and they help you for five years. Uh, if it wasn't for COVID, this past group, uh, this past group would have done very well for themselves. So. How much did COVID, you think, take a chunk out of your athletes? I mean, you had a really good team uh, that went to the sectional final in 2022, or was that 20? I'm trying to think when you 22. played. 22, when you played DH. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before that, you had a really nice group of athletes coming through how much do you feel like that time off, you know, kind of took a chunk out of your kids? It it emotionally devastated those kids. I mean, I mean probably one of the best teams I had was that COVID year. I had that I had that group of freshmen freshmen. I mean, I had 
two or three kids that played with me, one kid that played with me seventh grade, two or three played with me from eighth grade, and then that whole chunk of six kids played all the way up through. And that hit right right at COVID. And, you know, the faces, the faces of those seniors, and, and, and I was doing Zooms to these kids, and you could just feel how deflated these kids were that they lost, that they lost all this time. And, you know, in high school, you can't get it back. College, they gave them that bonus year. But right. high school, you can't, you can't get it back. What was your message to them on those Zoom calls? Because, I mean, I don't know what you can say. You know, I don't, what was your message to them? It was hard. It was hard. It, it was like, there's, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to play. I don't. And then finally, and then finally, the season, this is it. The season's over. I'm sorry. There's, there's not, I mean, tears, everything. Yeah. I, I feel really bad for those kids because like you said, they don't get it back. And I don't know how that's going to affect them going forward in life either, because you think about all the memories you get from high school sports. And, uh, I think some of us before COVID probably took that all for granted because it mm-hmm. was just always there. So, um, it's great that you were there for those kids during that time. How much were they reaching out to you? Um, a lot of them didn't want to really deal with it out front, but you know, you, you text the kids and yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, a tough thing, but it seems like the program has bounced back from that. When you could get back on the field, what did you see from your kids? Were they just so happy to and thankful to be back out there again? Oh, they loved it. the 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 first The first year back, um, we were lucky because we were returning the pitcher, the catcher, everything up the middle, because all those kids played as freshmen. Yeah, together, and they lost their sophomore year. And then they're back as juniors. Um, they were disappointed that the league that the league wouldn't give a trophy at the end of the year or do the championship. They were very disappointed in that. But you know, yeah, it was. I think it was very tough at that time because you saw it felt like everybody was kind of on the same page, and then all of a sudden, some leagues started doing different things, and some schools started doing different things. Some schools are playing, some schools aren't. Which to me, I always thought as an athlete that had to be hard. You know, all of a sudden you see somebody else two towns over is getting to play, even if it was five or ten games and you didn't have anything, that had to be really hard. Did you mm. hear that message from kids? Like yeah. why why do they get to play? Why do they get to play? Why do we have to wear these masks? Why yeah. What <laughs> we're playing. But we're yeah. <laughs> At that time, um, I, I can remember COVID basketball. I, I would have done Anything they asked me to do to get in the gym, just to cover the game. You want me to <laughs> you want me to wear a spacesuit? I'll wear a spacesuit. Whatever you, you know, and I think that's how a lot of the kids felt. Like, okay, you want me to wear this mask? I'll, I'll wear it. So <laughs> it was tough. It was a tough time for sure. But when you look back on all the Delaware League championships, is there anything that sticks out to you? A, a favorite memory, a favorite crossover game, uh, something that is really memorable to you? Or does it kind of blend all together? A lot of it blends together. Um, you're happy for the kids. You, you're happy for the kids to come back and talk to you. Um, I have great friendships with, uh, like Tam Snyder, who played for me, and then I coached against her. But I think the most, me- the most, you're gonna think it's silly, but uh, 
The most memorable was when we were going to that that deposit game. Just a couple of years ago. Just the the twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand and twenty-two, and um, the Roxbury Grand Gorge and Stanford Fire Departments volunteered their time to escort our bus from Roxbury all the way to the top of the hill in Stanford. That's great. I mean, fire truck after fire, fire <laughs> truck after fire truck. I mean, the kids, the kids' faces and to put that effort together from small communities to have that many people volunteer was amazing. It's great. So I think one thing that always sticks out to me is if you're a softball coach at a small school in Section 4, and you get to sectionals, what a juggernaut to go through. I mean, you've you've had to coach through the primetime Afton years, mm-hmm. the great deposit years, the great Hancock years, the great deposit Hancock years, and you've made several sectional finals. Mm-hmm. What has it been like getting there, having to go up against some teams that could probably go down as some of the best, you know, in, in all-time New York State history? Oh, they're amazing. Some of those teams are just amazing. Some of the players were just amazing. Did you have a message for your girls going into the, to those games? Like, hey, we can, you know, we can beat these these guys. Did you go in feeling confident that you could hang with those teams? Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have you have to give them the message that you've worked this hard, and there's always that day. Right. There's always that day, and you know we came close to Afton's. We've came. We've come close to the deposits. Um, Harpersville used to be down there. Yes, I was looking. We've, I'll we've see come if I can close to the Harpersvilles. Um, the small, the small schools in the Catskills and in the Tri Valley are are unique because we we're we're over an hour away from. A, a city, and um, you have the Aftons that are close to the Binghamton and close to the where they can play softball at seven years old and yeah. learn how to pitch, and they have a glove and a bat, and and a, Ro- a Roxbury has to drive two hours to play in the Binghamton League, yeah, to qualify for the Binghamton League. Uh, those kids should just be proud that they're. Picking up a glove and uh, and playing and getting to getting on that stage last last year's team when we went to the played against deposit in the finals. My my center fielder played uh, modified for one year. Didn't right. was wasn't really interested. Wasn't really uh, <laughs> wasn't really interested. Her mother played for me, so she was walking in the hall, and I walked up to her and I said. I said, we only have nine. I said, please, please, please play so we can have a team that, you know, a yeah. team, a team. We need a team. <laughs> and she says, well, will I get to start? I said, did you hear me? We only have nine. Yeah. <laughs> she says, I'll have to, I'll have to see if I, I can borrow my mother's glove. And I said, just show up to practice. Just show up to practice. Yeah. So this is the this is a kid that I'm talking into playing, and then you see a deposit Hancock who, who walk on the field with how many years of of travel ball and they're like a machine and a machine yeah. and and they have two pay 
how many paid coaches do they have and a specialty yeah. and a specialty pitching coach. I'm lucky if I have a one pitcher that wants to pitch. <laughs> it's um I, I think that's where it's like all the Delaware League crowns. I think you've been to the section final six times from what I can gather in my research here. Uh, arguably the best Delaware League softball program there is. Uh, and I think that goes a long way because the teams that have success in Class D and Class C are playing year-round. They're in Binghamton. They have the pitching coaches, and you guys just don't really have that unless someone's really willing to drive. I was always impressed with Bree Meehan yes. being able to— I mean, she would drive a very long way to play travel ball and, mm-hmm. and travel soccer, too. Yeah. So— um Always impressed by that. And you can see it paid off big for an athlete like that. Uh-huh. Tamara Snyder came down and played in Binghamton for two years. And she was very she was very successful. And yeah. then she came back. She's a she's a small-town girl through and through. Yeah. And no, it definitely, uh, definitely pays off if you can do that. But also, wow, like that's a big commitment. So you we were talking about that Harpersville game. I, I pulled it up here. 1989. Mm-hmm. You were in the championship against Har- Harpersville, lose seven to four. Does that yes. stick out to you at all? Yeah, we we <laughs> had we had we had the lead and uh, and uh, yeah, I think they missed a double bunt call on. Uh, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> so it, that, that that one's definitely sticking out it, to you. It, I, I, it was at it was at Archibald before they had the softball field in the back in the back. Really? Yeah. So that's where they had the sectional final. Yeah. Was at Archibald. Wow. So let's see. This I love. So I just want to put this out there. I'm using the section4softball.com site. They've done a tremendous job of keeping records because I mean, all right, this is 1989. I can see every game you had in sectionals. So if you want to go check any of this out, it's right there. Um, let's see here. First round must be you had a buy first round. So quarterfinals you beat Charlotte Valley nine to one, and then semifinals you shut out Stanford twelve nothing, and then you play Harpersville in the final. So, have you won a sectional championship, no. coach? No, been close. Is that like the dream? <laughs> it's always a dream, but yeah. As we said, it's. I think. Getting out of Section 4, Class D softball, might be one of the hardest things to do in the state. Yes. Because I get to the state Final Four, I get to follow Deposit or Afton or DH or whoever gets there, and I'll see teams at the Final Four who are not as good as the teams that I saw in the sectional semifinals in Section 4. Yes. So it almost feels like if you can win the section, you're going to have a great chance to win the state. And I just think about the last few years with DH and Edmiston and all these really good teams, you guys, uh, Skenevis, it's been a lot of fun to watch and and cover. So that group post-COVID, what made them so special? It seemed like you had a lot of athletes that were good at all the sports, soccer, basketball, and softball. Was that just one of those special classes that comes through? That was one of those special classes. When I I taught – phys ed for 21 years and then I went back and got a second master's and then I split between phys ed and computers hmm. and then I went all the way to computers but when you coach phys ed you can you can tell right. you, you, you get that class of girls 
you can tell that this is this class is going to be Tam, um, Tamara Snyder Titch's class was the same way. There were eleven seniors in in that class. That's huge. That's huge. For someone who was getting into phys ed today or coaching any sport at a small school today, what would your advice be to them? Um, obviously, you've done it for a long time. You've seen a lot of the changes. I think it's I think it's hard now uh, to to coach at a small school. What would your advice be? Love it. Love what you do and put your heart out there. And And if you love it, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out and do what, what's best for the kids. Being at Roxbury for that amount of time, 40-plus years, did you ever have the opportunity to jump ship, go somewhere else? Was that, ever, was that door ever open, and, and maybe why did you decide to stay? Because that, that's one thing I see now. I'll see a coach get to a small school, be there for two or three years, another opportunity pops up, and that's got to be tough to say what's best for me, my family, my team my career, all those things. Yes. Um, I was <laughs> my, my third year at Roxbury. Um, I, my high school, Spencer Vinnetton had an opening. Wow. And I went back and I applied and it was for elementary, elementary physical education and no varsity, no var, head varsity positions. And I went through the interview process twice and, and I got I got to that I got a call for the final interview and I turned it down because really I just even even my family's back there I mean I I'm really close with my family and I have wonderful a wonderful family and my sisters we're all close and they all well three of them live and live like my parents still live my sister live my and my sisters all live within five miles of each other. Wow. My sister Tish and I are the only bold ones that jumped out of Spencer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything's back there. My nieces and nephews and and I, I just got there and, and I'm sitting there and I, I, I always make this list. I make, I make what's, what's the positives, what's the negatives. And I take, take a deep breath and I pray and I said, give, tell me, tell me what's the right decision. And... They said, I had everything at Spencer. I had, I have my own curriculum. I had my own drive, my own team, my own house, my own way to go. And Spencer and my family, oh my God, that was way up there. And, yeah. and I, I, and I had to teach their curriculum and I had to do it their way. And I could only do a couple of JV sports and they mm. should, could see how I could st- coach and see if I was successful and and I'm like but I have everything now so at Roxbury, I have my you, team. you could do what you wanted at yeah. Roxbury right yeah. so that's what it came down to it, it, it came down to I'm already winning I already have what I want the the people and the village and everybody was just wonderful what is it about the Roxbury community you think that uh, drew you in so fast is it that Small town, neighbors helping neighbors, everyone's friendly attitude. You think that, I mean, you were already from a small town, so you yeah. were aware of that, but what was it about Roxbury that drew you in so fast? It doesn't always happen, I feel like. No, but, you know, every, your, first, your first year or two, you're, you're, 
you're struggling and failing and homesick and yeah. and everything else. And you know, you have you have those couple of people that went out of their way and helped you buy a house and went out of your way and helped you get your first cat. And uh and when I bought my house you know, closing is a nightmare oh, yeah. and everything else. And, uh, and, uh, oh my God, I can't, re- can't remember their name. They took me in for, for four months and, and I, I lived at their house and they, they were just wonderful people. Wow. And, and you need help with stuff like that as and a then, young teacher, I'm sure. And then I finally get to the closing and, uh, there's $242 worth of oil worth of oil in the tank. And the superintendent's the superintendent's wife is my realtor and Betsy Prout writes out a check for $242 so that I can close on my house that day. And wow. You know, th- there's people like this that jump up and help you with your field and help you with the stuff you need all the time. And when I was sick, the people that went out of their way and got me got me chairs and got me rides. People at church got me rides to where I needed to go. And the support and the prayers and everything else were just amazing. And you don't get that anywhere else. No. You know, I think uh, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, Nate, don't you want to go somewhere else? Like, why why do you want to cover small schools? And I'm like, that's where my heart is. And I love meeting people like you and other coaches and, and the athletes are just, they really appreciate it. And it's the same thing for me. I'm like, people go out of their way to help you in these towns. And, and that means a lot to me and obviously means a lot to you. That's, that's a neat story about your house and that's stuff you never forget, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what makes our small towns uh, truly special. So, so you've never regretted spending your whole career in one place. No, not at all. Not at all. Was it hard to walk away from teaching? How was that? Oh, <laughs> it, it it was really hard. That I did a little stint two and a half days last year to help him out, and um, the superintendent called me yesterday and offered me a a every other day, and and in my heart, I really wanted to take it. But financially, Uncle Sam would be making more money than mm. I would be making at the school. Isn't that a shame? And it's a shame because my heart would have said, I'll go back and work every other day. I hate that. Um, I've talked to several teachers in that position, and they're like, I would still love to go back and help the kids and be there, and it would be a great fit, but financially it doesn't make sense. That, bu- that bugs me. That's too mm-hmm. bad because I would love to see you back in there. We need people. You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. schools are like, we can't find anyone to, to, to fill these spots. So that's too bad. Right. Anybody else on your, uh, on your memories list, players, uh, games, anything that really stands out to you when you sit down and you're on the back porch and you're thinking about your career, anything that stands out? I don't know. You, you get, you get all kinds, all kinds of memories and, um. Uh... You know, it's it's amazing when you stop at Macadoodles and mm-hmm. and and one of one of your ex players comes up and gives you a big hug and and it's amazing that um, well this year I c- can't golf yet but um, I used to the year before 
the past year, I used to golf with Tam Snyder Titch and her little son, and we go out and golf nine holes a couple times a week, and and just talking about softball. And then all of a sudden, her dad will show up and be mm-hmm. there for a day. And he, Vinny, coached with me for so long, and the amazing memories that he helped out. And then, you know, what somebody off of Facebook. Will, will just say, hey, I haven't, I haven't talked to you in a long time. And, and you see the success of, of, of all these kids that, that, uh, yeah. that, and I mean, this, this past year is the first time, um, what my starting second baseman is a third gen, third gener, my first third generation, and that was amazing, you know. Wow. <laughs> and that's neat to think about. And you know, I coached I coached her grandmother when she was in eighth grade, yeah. and 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 yeah, and wow, that's that's a neat story. That's a neat story. Yeah, it's um, well, it's a testament to you and the hard work that you've put in and the time that you've put in. It's it's hard for me to see a lot of these staples of the Delaware league starting to retire and, and not because I'm glad you guys deserve this next chapter in life, but mm-hmm. I'm, selfishly I'm sad that I won't see as many of you guys at games, like going to Greg o- O'Connell's retirement oh, stuff was... um, th- that like just broke my heart. And I'm just waiting for Jim Adair to kind of fade away. Cause he just does so much. He does so much for the nice. league. And I'm trying to twist his arm to get, to get him in here for an interview, but you know, all these guys, I'm like, how much longer are they going to do it? And what's next for those schools? It's hard to replace a person like that. Yeah. So, um, well, coach, we will wrap up here. One of our favorite questions to ask is a uh, favorite local place to eat. Do you have a spot out there, a, a Roxbury spot or somewhere else over that way uh, that you like to go to? Mama Maria's mm. in Stanford. Okay. I've never been there. The garlic knots are unbelievable. That's good to know. It always looks busy when I go by. I always think when I'm going over to Mayor's Cup, I got to go early and stop in there. So maybe I'll do that this year. So You should. Yeah. Before I let you go, you mentioned playing at Archibald. Mayor's Cup reminds me of that. Um, in, in the heyday of Archibald, what was that like playing there? There's all those fields and the lights and... Uh, everyone has said that they used to have a lot of adult league games there as well as high school games. What are your memories of Archibald? Oh, Arch- Archibald was, was you know, a gem in itself because I played I played uh, summer league there when I first came here. Right. And, and I played it all the way up until they stopped doing it. And it was, you know, it just, just had that feel, that feel of old town, old town get together old town you know, almost almost like a softball barn dance you know okay it, you yeah. Know, yeah yeah to me um when i'm there at mayor's cup and the lights are on and there's a big crowd for the soccer games i, I can just imagine what it was like on a nice crisp night playing softball there uh people from all over the the county are there like you said kind of almost like a party type atmosphere uh, i must have been really neat i wish i had had seen some of that stuff but um, also before I let you go, I had to, see, I had to know maybe who you had your coaching rivalry with, who was someone that you always liked going up against, uh, as a coach. Was there someone that you've just had a lot of battles with over the years? I, 
I don't know. Um, I loved Rich Hardy when he was coaching in Margaretville, and Margaretville had their dynasty. Yeah. And, you know, I love going up against Gilboa and Andy at Jefferson. Yeah. And uh, just good people, good people, Dan and Andy. And yeah. Is it a rivalry? I love I love coaching against uh, against Tamara Snyder Titch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe rivalry is the wrong word, but but um, yeah. I just think when you've been around that long, um, every year there's got to be somebody that you're like, here we go again. They always have a good team. We have a good team. Must be fun. Oh, it's great. It 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 just it's it. Those games are just so much better. I'd I'd rather have good people and a good game than than go against a team that. You're you're trying to backpedal and and do things so you you don't right yeah. you don't crucify them, <laughs> and we've run into that a lot recently. And I don't I don't want to talk you know bad of anybody, but it has it's gotten to a point where some schools have trouble fielding a team, and there's people out there that haven't played a lot, and sometimes we see some crazy scores. So uh, I always love going to a game that's close and competitive, and um, those games are a lot of fun. But those teams are trying to survive in, in a small school, those teams are trying to survive. Yeah. If you can't if you can't get if you can't get a kid to dedicate to dedicate themselves to uh to pitching and catching and, and that, that solid thing, that solid spot up the middle, it's really hard it's really hard to get that buy in and win a game. Yeah. I mean I mean, you've saved me in the past because I, I've I've had kids I've had kids that say I really don't want to work that hard. I really don't want to work that hard, and then they see their Twitter name and your po- <laughs> and your post, and they're like, "Well, maybe I want to work a little harder." I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I've had um, I've had coaches tell me both. I've had coaches say um, that it's motivated kids. And then I've had some coaches say, Nate, you're killing me because uh, a kid will try so hard to get their own personal stats. Sometimes they're not about the team. That was kind of more basketball, soccer related. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love it. I love going out there and, and trying to give a kid a shout out. And I guess it's today's version of getting your name in the paper, right? So, right. Well, I try really hard during the season to to make sure I get as many different names Yes out there yep. because you know if a kid does something good you know get it out there because and it's fun it helps them and the amount of times it happened just recently i had a a grandmother of a kid i I met her and she said one time you mentioned my grandson like a year ago and he still talks about it and i'm like now i gotta mention him more now if that makes his day that much wow Mm -hmm. that's cool you're talking about it a year later so no, it's a special thing, and I, you guys are great about sending me info, and everybody in the in the Delaware League is. It's uh, it's kind of my bread and butter. I love going mm-hmm. over there. So, well, coach, that'll do it. Anything else you want to add? Are yeah. you a cat person? You mentioned cat. Yeah, I'm a cat person. Yeah, I'm a cat I, person. I am too. So, <laughs> how many do you have? Do you have a bunch currently? We we have three cats now. Okay, so I'm on the, I'm on the two cat train, and it's. I I didn't believe it when we first got cats, my wife and I, that they said, oh, you got to get two because we just had one at first. And it was like, what? that's crazy. Why would you get two? And now I see it. Mm-hmm. They're friends. They play with each other. It's fun. So, um, yeah, they're fun. Yes, they are. They're fun. 
Well, thank you, Coach. This was great. Um, and hopefully you'll get win number 500, maybe that first game of the season. That would be great. That would be fun. Get it out of the way <laughs> get so it out people of the way. stop stop talking about it. <laughs> Perry said he wants you guys to come to Mudville. That's also what he said. So if Roxbury wants to make a trip, it sounds like there's a spot. So, Yeah, he's been trying to get We We used to go up there, but... Uh, it's it's a long it's financially it's a long way and yeah and you know it's a long way really good competition and, yeah if you don't have the right team to go there that's tough especially yeah. as a small school I it, feel like you're playing small school is really tough because you really you really have to have that that solid piece up the middle and yeah and you know we don't we don't it's it it's hard to it's hard to get that kid that, that yeah. That kid that has that right attitude to pitch, that right attitude to catch, that right attitude to to want to take over the infield. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, has to be the right group. I mean, this past year it was really tough because I graduated seven. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and to come back and, and convince everybody that. <laughs> we got to keep playing. We got to keep playing and you have to step it up. Yeah. You have to step it up. You have, I mean. But there you were at the end, right in the league championship once again. Yeah, I told them every day, all we have to do is cut down, cut down our mistakes, cut down our mistakes. I think our first, our first game we had 45 mistakes. Oh, no. (laughs) And, uh. The kids were so proud. Those kids were so proud at the end of the season when they came down to the Milford game. Mm -hmm. And they had less mistakes than Milford. That's great, yeah. And that was a really good. Lawrence Milford was an was an excellent. Oh, they team. were. Oh, Jim always has. Yeah, excellent teams. Yeah, and seeing Jim and Andy together was fun. Oh, that was great. This last that year, what great. a riot those two are. <laughs> and that's why I love doing this job, meeting people like those two and mm-hmm. you, and uh, a lot of fun. But well, Coach, thanks again. I appreciate you yep. coming all the way to Sydney to do this. It was great. Thank you very much. Sure. Well, that'll wrap up episode 225. You can check back in the archives. We've had a lot of Roxbury guests. Uh, had Maya Johnston recently on here to talk about soccer. So uh, definitely a ton in the archives and uh, want to do some more as well. So check back there, and we'll see you again soon on the Nate Law Podcast. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Nate Lull Podcast. Download each new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.